Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Well, if this is your first Sunday at Cross Lane, first of all, let me welcome you and tell you that we're really, really glad that you're here. We started a series last week called Five, and it is, it's based on the, the rule of five, which is a principle that, that um, John Maxwell teaches. John Maxwell is a leadership guy that we have read and followed and gone to conferences of his for a long, long time. And, uh, man, he's really, really good. Teaches you a lot of stuff about leadership. And he has this, this illustration about five, the principle of five. And he, he talks about if you wanted to cut down a tree, the idea that if you just would every day go out and take five good swings at that tree with your axe, put the axe down, rest, come back the next day, give it five good swings, the same swing, consistent, hit the tree in the same spot, come back the next day, five good swings, that you're not doing it all day, but you do it every day, that, that the, the, the consistency of five can make a difference in your life. Too many times we focus on the goal, don't we? I mean, goals are good, don't get me wrong. You've got to have goals, that's great, and, and you need to focus on them, but sometimes we focus so much on the, fi- on the, on the goal that we kind of lose sight of some other things. You know, somebody comes in and says, my goal is to lose 30 pounds, and they've got 30 pounds everywhere you look. They've got it on the mirror, they've got it in the car. I'm going to lose 30 pounds. You say, well, how are you going to lose 30 pounds? I don't know. I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. I just, I just know that the goal is 30 pounds. Well, you know, there's, a, there's a kind of a, a, a how are you going to get there? That's why resolutions never really work, because a lot of the time we never really define the important activity of this is how I'm going to get there. Because the person's success is found, a person's success is found in their daily agenda. I can follow you around and see kind of what's important to you. You could follow me and see what's important to me. If we could see each other's checkbooks, we would know what's important to one another. Your your, your success is found in your daily agenda. We, We talked about it last week, how the Bible has a lot to say about the power of today. Now, we get hung up in yesterday, don't we? I mean, Bruce Springsteen sang the song Glory Days. Some of us are still living in the glory days. Back in the good old days when things were were a certain way. And, you know, some people, you ever been around that person that's still stuck in 1960? You can't get them out? You know, it's like, come on, there's a whole new generation. No, I'd like it right here. You know, flower power or whatever. So um, you just get stuck in a certain place. There's people that want to spend all their time in the past, and then there's other people that they, they just li- live their whole life dreaming their life away, right? I can't wait for the future to get here. Can't wait when I'm, you know, kids do that. When I'm 16, and then when I'm 21, and then when I get married, and you want when I have kids, and you want to say, when you have kids, it's over, right? There is nothing after kids. Um, we get so hung up on what's ahead or what's behind that we lose sight of that God wants to do a pretty amazing thing today today and the bible certainly speaks about remembering the past and honoring those in the past and he he speaks to that and he speaks to you know plan ahead and make sure that there's a a, you know your your future you're doing some things in your future but he has an awful lot to say about the here and now about today in fact one of the things that i i don't i don't feel like i talk about it very well for as much as i think about it but one of the things in the bible that's really fascinating to me is one of the names of god when Moses 
is talking to God just be, when he's in the wilderness and, he's, and God is basically tapping him to be the one to go lead the children out of, Israel, out of Egypt. He, um, you know, he and God are, Moses are having this conversation and, and Moses says, God, when I get in front of Pharaoh, who do I tell him sent me? I mean, what, who should I tell him sent me? And do you remember God's reply? I am that I am. That's a fascinating name for God because if you think about it, God doesn't say, I was. God doesn't say, I will be. He says, I am. What is that about? That's about now. God is present in the now. Um, I mean, I, I could go on and on about the, the, the ramifications of that, the, impl- the implications of that, that, that God is not bound by time and space like we are, that he is not, you know, we're, our whole world is oriented to time. Like, you know, today at 3 o'clock, something special happens today at 3 o'clock, doesn't it? Right? You're not fooling me. I know what's going on. I know what the real party is today, all right? We're oriented to time and space. God's not. God, that's one of the things that makes God so cool is that he's, he's not bound by the stuff that binds us. And so the, na- the very name of God, I am, and then Jesus comes along and kind of echoes that same stuff. And John, you see him kind of referring to himself as I am. And, and, and it's, it's about now. It's about right now. To not... You know, God says, I don't want you to dwell in the pain and the mess of yesterday. We, we just sang a great song. Did you like the new song? Love that new song, because we are free. Amen? We're free. And so what we're talking about is just making the most of every single day. Listen to what Proverbs says. This is from the Good News Translation. An intelligent person aims at wise action. In other words, they're not just focused on the goal. They're focused on wise action actions what what am i going to do today an intelligent person aims at wise actions but a fool starts off in many directions now so for the next several weeks we're going to unpack this idea of of five and and see if if we can get some help and just live in the way that god intends for us to live and really honestly to live in a way that we we genuinely want to live i mean hopefully this year is better than last year right? I mean, isn't that what you're hoping? You're hoping that 2014 is, is a bit, now you may have had a banner 2013, and if you did, good for you. But, but aren't we all in hopes that 2014 will be a better year than 2013? Uh, and so today, I want to talk about, last week we talked about finding your five, and I just, we just talked about the concept of five, and I encouraged you to kind of think through what your five were going to be. And I also told you that as we go through this series, you're probably going to refine your list a little bit. So if you're a note taker, you may want to grab your, your little bulletin thing there. And, and if you've got a pen, you might want to write some stuff down. We're going to talk today about the first five. Another way to say it would be we're going to talk about the spiritual five. Um, if you've got five things on your list that you think are important and they're going to make you more effective, that you would say, these, Brett, these are my five most important things that I'm going to do every day. Just let me tell you, the first one needs to be that you are going to give God your best. That, that needs to be one of the things that's in your five. It's just this idea of, God, I want to I I be my best for you. I want to I give my best to you. So the first one needs to be focused on God. And if you do, I promise you, your life is going to be remarkably better. When, when, when you put God first, your life is going to be remarkably better. Um, so let's talk about what the spiritual five might look like. Number one on the list, n- not a big surprise, something you probably would expect, prayer. Prayer needs to be 
one of the five. If you're like most people, prayer's tough. If you're like most people, you want to do it, but you probably don't feel like you're very good at it, right? There's, it's interesting. You, you, ever put, you ever been in one of those circles where they squeeze the hand of the person next to you and you're supposed to pray? You ever been in one of those? And you stand there thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, they're gonna, they expect me to pray out loud. And you're just waiting for that dreaded hand squeeze when, it's you, when you're on, right? It's time for you to pray. And you, uh, you know, or, or you just give the quick, squeeze, squeeze, right? Like, I'm not praying. That's not, that's not my, you know. And then you look around like you hope nobody's picked up on the fact that they just skipped you. I mean, we want to pray. We love God. It's not that you don't love God. Look, I know that's not it. You're here this morning. You, you, you drove through the cold and the snow to be here this morning. Check on your Bible belt right there for that. So you're, you're at church. But it's not that you don't love God. I know you love God. But that when it comes to praying, sometimes we just get a little wigged out by the whole thing. And so maybe you feel like you're not good at it because you, you probably have created some kind of form or some kind of way that it's supposed to sound. You, somebody you respected and you thought, man, I want to pray like that. And when you pray, it doesn't sound like that. And so you've got this thing in your mind. And whatever it is that you want to sound like, that's not what it is for you. And whatever you expect it to be, it's probably not that. And so God, here's what I want you to know. God never expected you to have fancy words for him. God never expected you to have poetic verse and to be able to, you know, God is, I don't care, take the best prayer you've ever heard on the planet. The best person that prays, the best prayer, and let him pray. I doubt seriously God's going, hey, did you hear him? Listen to that. I mean, that, isn't that beautiful? I doubt seriously God's up there going, wow, I'm really impressed by the verse in that prayer. No. You know what impresses God? Check his heart out. Listen to his heart. Can you listen to the brokenness in that? Isn't that beautiful? That's what God wants to hear. Listen to the honesty and way he's talking to us right now. That's what God wants to hear. He's not, God is not impressed by your ability to string a bunch of words together and sound spiritual. He just wants us to have a conversation with him. He, what he wants, here's what God wants. God wants from you what you want from your kids. If you're a parent, you're going to get this. And if you're a son or a daughter, you're going to get this, which I think pretty much includes all of us. Am I right? Unless you're an alien, you know, and then get out of here because we don't want you here, right? But, but, it, but the rest of us, we're going to get what I'm about to say. If you're a parent, you're especially going to get this. No matter what your kids do, no matter how bad they let you down, no matter how much they act up or disappoint you they may do some of the most boneheaded stuff and you go man you've got my genes going through you how, how can you do that and then they go because i got your genes going through me that's how and, and you know no matter how disappointed you still want to hear from them you still want to know what's on their heart right i as i've been angry with my kids i've been disappointed with my kids i've never been to a place with my kids where i didn't want to hear what was on their mind and in their heart I've never been to a place where I didn't want my kids to come in and say, Dad, can I talk to you? Absolutely. Or, or, Dad, let me tell you about what happened at school today. Let me tell you about what happened in the game. Let me tell you, about, let me tell you about, about my date. Let me tell you about, you know, the successes in my life. I mean, as a parent, I want to hear that, right? Don't you? 
And as a parent, if your kids are failing, if your kids are struggling, if your kids are going through something, you don't want them to go through it by themselves. You want to hear their heart. You want to know what's going on. You, you, you love them. You care. You don't want to leave them on an island somewhere. That's God with us. When we're afraid, God wants to hear it. When we've had great success, God wants to hear us respond to our great success. When, when things are going good, when I'm confident, God wants to hear from me. When I'm scared to death and I don't know which end is up, God wants to hear from me. That's what God wants. You, here's what I know. As a parent, and, and my kids would say, amen, does he, is that true? I always have things to say to my kids, right? But poor Bennett. Uh, he was getting ready to go out in the snow the other night, and I had to give him a coaching lesson on how to do the snow. He he was so good. He listened, and he was very patient. And finally, he looked at me and said, Dad, I've driven in the snow before. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure, okay? Because it's my job as a dad to make sure that you know how to drive in the snow. So, you know, God's no different. God has things he wants to say to us. There's things God wants to say to you. He loves you. He cares about you. He, he wants only the best for you. And listen, here's what I know about you. You're good at conversation, right? I watch you every week hug on one another and love on one another, and, and we hang around after church. There's some Sundays, poor staff. We can't get out of here because you're loving on one another, and, and talk, 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 and, but here's what I know. Here's what I know. That's the sign of a healthy church. That's the sign of a healthy church. We love each other. We want to be together. You, you can go to some churches, and they don't like each other. Do you know how you can tell? Because when the preacher says amen, they're gone. Looks like a ghost town right? They're in the cars, they're off to the restaurant, and they don't want to hang around with each other. And it's not that you don't know how to communicate. Some of you send 300 texts a day or more. If you're a teenager, you're in the thousands range. You think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Some of you know how to communicate because you send emails. Some of you communicate because you post 40 million things on Facebook every day, right? It's not that you don't know how to communicate. God just wants to converse with you throughout the day. He wants to talk to you. And see, prayer isn't an event. Prayer's a lifestyle. Honestly, with me, in my private prayer life, I never say amen. The only time I ever really say amen is when I'm praying up here or when I'm like in a in an elders meeting, they kind of like to hear me say amen so they know when I'm done, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of like when I'm at the end of the service and I pray, you, you kind of want to hear me say amen because you're like, okay, how long is he going to go, right? So, but normally in my normal daily praying, it's just kind of like this ongoing kind of, when I, I'm just kind of going through my day, just kind of talking with God. And there's never really a dear heavenly father and there's never really a, a, an amen at the end of it. It's just, God, man. I tell you, honestly, I'll talk to somebody. They'll tell me about somebody in their family that's sick. And they'll say, Brett, would you pray for them? Yeah, I'll pray for them. And so you don't want to know what that kind of sounds like? When they leave my presence, I'm like, God, you just heard that conversation. I don't even know what's going on with them, but I know you do. God, I just, I, I want you to know that that person's important to me. Whoever they ask me to pray for is important to them. So I, I don't know what you do, but I need, I, I'm just praying that you'd help that. There's no amen at the end of it. And then, I'm, you know, it's, the phone rings. Okay. And so, God, I'll, I'll be right back. And so it's just this ongoing thing. Some of you, you grew up in churches that were so stiff and cold, and you heard prayers prayed in such a way that you couldn't relate to them. Right? 
You, you heard somebody pray, and, and what you think is, well, that's really pretty, but that, I, don't, I don't know even what he said. And, and you get, here's the deal. You heard somebody else pray, and it, it got to the point that when it came time for you to pray, you thought to yourself, I can't do it. I can't do what they're doing. I don't, I don't sound like that. I, don't, I can't do that. And some of you think about praying, and it's just like, oh, my goodness. I mean, I, you know, think of anything else that I could do better than, than pray. We have this idea we think that prayer is, but the, the Bible says, honestly, 1 Thessalonians says, pray continually. Pray continually. Well, the only way you can truly fulfill that verse is if prayer is not an event. It might just be one sentence. It, it might be one sentence. I mean, sometimes I pray in the shower. You know, I hate to give you that visual, but I mean, I, listen, nobody's bugging me in there, right? I mean, it's just me and God in there. God, he, we're, we're just locked in. You might be on the way to a meeting. You, 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 you might, you know, be in the car by yourself. Sometimes I'll just turn my stereo off and just be silent. And like I said last week, a lot of times the best praying is when I shut my mouth and just listen. Let God do the talking. And then the people who really understand what I'm talking about, about this isn't an event, this is more of a lifestyle, they're, they're happy prayers. They are people who get it. They understand. And they, there's a communication line thing. You know, that you don't, people who understand that prayer is a lifestyle, not an event, here's something you don't hear them say. Well, I'm just not hearing from God. No, they're hearing from God. Psalm 68 says this, Praise the Lord who carries our burdens day after day. He is the God who saves. He, you know, he's that friend that, he's like the guy or the girl in your life that when things are, chips are down, you text them and say, dude, I gotta talk. When, when things aren't going good, you, you just call them and say, hey, do you have a minute? We, we've all got people like that in our life. God wants to be that. He wants to be the one that picks you up. He wants to be the one that, that listens. He wants to be the one that cares. That, that's what God wants to be. And it isn't some fancy, formal event. It's a lifestyle. If you want prayer to be fun and if you want prayer to work for you, I, I want to give you three words real quick just under the first heading of prayer, three words that will maximize your prayer life, okay? Just three things. <clears throat> Write them down. First of all, time. First word is time. You need a time that's consistent for you, that, that you can say, okay, God, this is, this is kind of our time. Psalm 5 says this, in the morning, Lord, David said this, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait in expectation. Morning prayers are cool because it just seems to set the tone for my whole day, right? When, when you start your day by praying, it just seems to change everything else. And I, I'm just going to tell you what one of my prayers is. Almost every morning I wake up, one of the first things I'm praying, and I, if, if I've led you to Jesus, I've taught you how to pray this way. We, we think so much about our sin, right? Christians are obsessed by our sin. And can I just be honest with you? I don't think God wants you to be obsessed by your sin. I think God went to great lengths to pay for your sin. I think God forgave you of your sin. Don't you believe that? So 
instead of thinking so much about my sin, look, I know I'm a sinner, God knows I'm a sinner. You know I'm a sinner, right? That's not news. We all know that about each other. So when I'm waking up in the morning, here's what my prayer is. God, yeah, I'm a sinner, but beyond all that, in light of what you've done for me in my life by sending Jesus to die for me, in light of the fact that you have forgiven me of my sin, Lord, how do I take today I want to take today and make the most of it for you. I want to honor you with the decisions I make today. How can I, how can I be the person you want me to be today? Now, how good I am at doing that always, I mean, that's debatable, right, for all of us? But, but that should be the prayer. I can tell you this, the more you're praying that prayer as you come up on decisions daily, as life presents you with different decisions, if you're praying, God, how do I take this decision and make the best decision for you. If you're praying that way, I guarantee you 2014 is going to be better than 2013. You can't help it but be. So, so time is the first one. The second word associated with prayer is the word place. You need to have a place. Find a place that's comfortable for you. It might be when you're walking in the neighborhood. It might be in the shower. It might be in the car. The Bible says this in Mark. It says, very early while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he went off to a solitary place. And he prayed. So you need a time, you need, you need a place. And number three, you need a plan. You need a plan. You need to have a plan. Know, know what you need to tell God. I think sometimes we, we, you know, it's okay for you to kind of plan things out and think about your prayer before you say your prayer. Uh, we talked about this last week. For me, that's meditation. And what happens is as I'm preparing to pray, God sometimes will interrupt and say, can I talk to you about that? I got something to say to you about that, Brett. You're getting ready to bring that up to me. Here's what's on my mind about that. Have you thought about that? So have a plan. Jesus had a plan. You know, Jesus gave us an outline. We call it a prayer, but it was really an outline. The disciples in in, uh, Luke chapter 11, they come to Jesus, and they say, Lord, we don't know how to pray. Te- teach us to pray the way John taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus said, well, I can, you know, I can do that. And so what you learn about G- Jewish culture is that when the rabbis taught many times, they taught in outlines. Jesus said, I can teach you to pray. I can do that. And so he gave them an outline. And he said, first of all, start out with our Father in heaven. Start with worship. It's the first thing you should do. Make sure that God knows that you know who he is. Make sure that God gets first place. Make sure that you're, you're giving God the respect that's due God. Make sure that you, you worship first. Start there. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Start praying for stuff that's important to God. You know what? I want to be delicate how I say this, but too often when we pray, it's, it's about what's important to us, and we're not really thinking about what's important to God. I want to tell you something that will revolutionize your prayer life. Try and figure out what God's up to. Try and figure out what's important to God, and pray in that vein. And, and what you're going to find is that your prayers become more effective. You're going to find that your prayers become more laser-focused. You're going to find that you're not as 
selfish as you were. You're more concerned about what's going on with God than you are about what's going on with you. Start praying for the stuff that God wants done on the earth. And then you can think about you. Give us this day our daily bread. You can make it all about you. But here's what I know. If you pray about what's important to God first, what's important to you is going to follow that. You know, if you're praying about what's important to God first, you're probably not going to be praying another prayer that says, God, I would really like a Porsche. You just won't. You won't. You know, your, your prayer would sound different. But once you get to that part, you can pray about what's important to you. It can, it can be all about you. Tell God what's on your mind, what's on your heart. And then after that, Jesus said, I want you to forgive people. I want you to get your heart right. I want you to, I want your heart issues are, are, are something that needs to be considered. He said, do not allow us to be tempted. And then returning back to thanking God for everything, he said, you know, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. He, he gave them, basically gave them a, a prayer outline. Now here, here, you know, we're talking about the second five today, this, this spiritual five. I'm just trying to help you make these five a reality in your life. Putting God first. What kind of things can you do? Number one is prayer. Here's number two. Word. The word. Make the Bible a part of your life. Every single day. Not all day. You don't have to read it all day. But make sure that at some point in your day, you give five minutes. Now you got five minutes. Give five minutes. Sit down. Let God speak to you through his word. Don't get bogged down in it. Just make it a part of your life every single day. Do you, do you know why that's important? Because this book is alive. This book is alive. This book has a power that if you read it, it will have a dramatic effect on your life. It will make the Bible come alive to you if you just read it. I can tell you this. There's... If you gave me five people in your world that have been important to you, someone that you look up to and that you respect, someone that's maybe changed your life, I guarantee you, chances are pretty good, I shouldn't say guarantee, chances are pretty good that of that five, probably one of them at least, has taken this seriously. And because they picked this book up and read it, it changed their life, and their life changed your life. Again, I'm not talking about reading it all day. I know you don't have time to read it all day. But read it every day. Isaiah says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Just read it a little bit every day. People get all bent out of shape. And January rolls around, and we're going to get on a Bible reading plan, right? And you probably already started your Bible reading plan, and you missed a day. And, you, and you're one of those obsessive, compulsive people that says, Oh, man, I missed a day. I've, you know, I messed it up. And I would just say, Don't worry about that part. Okay, so you missed a day not the end of the world read it now or read it tomorrow when you wake up i get tickled once in a while i'll encounter one of you and you've started a bible reading plan and you know you started it in january and then february hits and and it comes up about reading the bible and you go yeah i'm three weeks behind i got 80 chapters to make up you know, I got, I'm going to block out five hours tomorrow so I can read my 80 chapters. No, don't do that. Don't, you, you, you're destroying the fun of it. You're, it. God doesn't mean for his word to be a burden for you. God wants to talk to you. Just forget about the 80 chapters you haven't read. Pick up your Bible. Give him 5, 10, 15 good minutes. Say, God, just, I just want you to talk to me. I promise you. 
If you'll do that consistently, 2014, 2015, I'm already 2015, 2014 is going to be better than 2013. Read your Bible. Joshua chapter 1. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You believe that? Here's what I would tell you. I challenge you to put that verse to the test. Read your Bible consistently in 2014 and see if you are not more prosperous and more successful. Now, I'm not some TV preacher promising you that you're going to have a new Porsche at the end of 2014. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you're probably going to have a more successful year if you'll start it by reading, letting God speak to you. Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by a stream of wa- planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Put that verse to the test. Read your Bible every day and see if it doesn't leave you more grounded. See if it doesn't leave you in a place where you're ready to make better decisions. See if it doesn't make you a better person. So number one, pray. I know you know how to text, so you know how to pray. You know how to send an email, you know how to pray. Read your Bible. Know what the Word of God says and let it help you with your life. Number three, worship. Now, worship is not necessarily what we were doing 20 or 25 minutes ago. Okay, It it is that. But that's not the only time that we worship. Some people have it in their mind. You know, we even use the expression, I'm going to worship. I understand that. I understand why we use that terminology. But what that does is it it elevates what happens in here to a level that's different the rest of our life, the rest of our world, right? Like, do I want to go down that rabbit hole? No, I do not. (laughs) You just need to be living your life where you stop and you're thanking God. You need to be, you need to live a life of gratitude. Your life needs to just be full, full of letting God know how thankful you are for the stuff he's done in your world. It, it, just a, a constant barrage to God. God, thank you for what you, thank you for putting that person in my life. Thank you for, for teaching me that thing. God, thank you for leading me through that struggle because this is what I've learned in that struggle. God, just, just be, be thankful Always. Let me tell you what's going to happen. If you become a worshiper throughout the day, you're going to become a more pleasant person for the rest of us to be around, okay? Some of you, we just need you to sweeten up, and if you would just worship a little more, it'd be better for the rest of us. We, we get caught up into thinking that this is the only time we worship. I, I, went, to, um, I went on a trip overnight with a couple of buddies, and um, it required a, a, an overnight stay in a hotel. And so I got up, got myself ready, and took all my stuff, get ready to walk out the door. And one of the guys I was both of us were going to the car, and the one guy said, I'll be there in a minute. I'm going to stay behind for a minute. I'll be there in a minute. Okay, I'll, I'll be in the car waiting on you. So, you know, five, ten minutes goes by, and all of a sudden he comes out with his gear, and he throws it in the car, and he gets in. I said, can I ask you what you're doing? He said, yeah. He said, it's no problem. He said, I, I um, he said, I was making the bed. I said, 
they have somebody that does that. He said, yeah, I know, I know. He said, it's just my ministry to them. It's, it's just a way for me to worship. He said, one of the things that I do when I travel and I stay at a hotel, and I'm not suggesting that you have to do this. I'm just telling you, this, is, this was kind of for him in his head. This is the way he thought. He said, I, I, it's just an act of worship for me to, to with great joy, before I leave a hotel room, try to tidy it up. And he said, I usually write a note to the, the girl that's going to clean the room, just encourage her. And not a note like, you need Jesus. You know, not one of those. Not just to just say, hey, um, thank you for having taken care of us, and, and uh, I'll be praying for you today. He just wrote her a note. He got all the towels together, and he made sure they were in a neat pile, and he just tried to make the room nice. And he said, it's just, he said, Brett, it's just a way that I try to worship. Here's what people don't understand. The way you treat the convenience store clerk is worship. I have been in restaurants on Sunday afternoon after church and watched people come in from church, thankfully none of our people, because it would just crush me to think that we left here and went and mistreated people. But I have been in restaurants on a Sunday afternoon people that had obviously been to church and watch them talk to and treat servers and wait staff in ways that would mortify me if it was one of us from Cross Lane. And I just, I I don't understand how, you know, we come, we have the unholy hour before the holy hour, right? As you're coming to church with your kids, then you're here for the holy hour and then you leave and it's the unholy hour again, right? So you need one hour of just good stuff just to help you through the rest of it. And somehow we can come spend a week, an hour at church and worship and be in a great mood and we leave and we go to the restaurant. How can you go treat somebody like that? How we treat people every day is a form of worship. So the way you're talking to people, the way you, you relate to the, your boss, your coworkers, all of that is worship. So it needs to be one of your five. Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. You need to have an attitude of gratitude all throughout the day. Psalm 119, seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous laws. So prayer, word, worship, and number four, fellowship. Every day, get around the right kind of people. Every day, you need to be getting around the right, listen to this. The quality of, of your life will be, will be determined by the people with whom you surround yourself. That's just a fact. You want to go far in life? Surround yourself with good people. You will go further if you surround yourself with good people. I, I don't, it's, just, it's the same gene that I have that makes me want to say stuff to my kids, but when I'm around young people, especially late high school age and when they get ready to go off to college i just it's a sermon that i have to preach to young people i don't know how many young kids i i was with a college student on new year's eve and i told him this very thing i said listen it's very easy to make bad friends and it's very hard to make good friends but the better the people that you surround yourself with are the better your life will be and the more successful you will be as a person but here's the thing, it's really hard to get close to good people. Do you know why? Because they're selective, because they're checking you out to make sure that you're not going to bog them down. They're making sure that you're not a bad influence. They're making sure that, that you're somebody that can get into their inner circle because they live by that premise of it's easier to make 
bad friends than good friends. So surround yourself with good people. Listen, when you come to church and you're fellowshipping with good people, it's where you need to be. Associate with the right people. Hebrews 3.13 says this, but encourage one another. Now say it with me. Encourage one another how? Daily. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hebrews 10 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I've heard this sermon preached I've heard that verse preached, and they, you know, it's a sermon on why you should go to church. And when the guy gets done, you're like, yeah, that fires me up to make me want to go to church. Look, I don't want you to come to church so that you can check off your gospel gun, you know, you can put another notch in there and say, I went to church today. I don't want you to come to church so that you can leave here and feel really good about your prayer life and say, God, I went to church today, so now you've got to do what I'm going to ask you. Not talking about that. I want you to come to church every week because I know this is true in my life and I just have to believe it's true in your life too. There are some Sunday mornings, and I love coming to church. I do. I love you. I, 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 just greeting you as you came in this morning, you, you just don't know how much I enjoy that. I love you. I love being here with you. I love to sing with you and talk to you and pray with you and encourage you. There are some Sunday mornings, when I, and I get up pretty early on Sunday morning, some Sunday mornings, it's raining outside, it's cold, and I think, oh, I would give anything to be able to stay in this bed. You ever done that? You ever been there? Maybe that was you this morning. I would give anything to not have to get out and go in the snow and the cold to church this morning. But here's what I figured out. When I, I, I kind of have to come because you expect me to be here and kind of expect me to have something to say. I get up, I get myself ready, I go to church, I love on you, I get loved on by you. It never, fa- I can say this with, everything in me. I always leave. I'm tired. I'm always tired when I leave church because this can kind of take it out of you, but I'm always in better shape when I leave than when I got here. I'm always happy I came. I'm always filled up with God's presence and his spirit when I leave church. I may not have felt that way coming in, but when I leave, that's how I feel. Listen, when you come to church, that's why I want you to come to church. I want you to come be loved. I want you to be encouraged by us and by each other. I want, you to, I want you to lift your voice to heaven and sing to God. It's going to do good stuff for your heart. It's going to change who you are. That's why I want you to come to church. Do your best every single day. Oh, I just got ahead of myself. No, I'm, 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 I stopped there, fellowship. Number five, you're not going to like this one because this one's hard. Lordship. Lordship. Do your best every single day to write a blank check to God with your life and say, God, here I am. Um, do your best to live the life he is calling you to live. Do your best to hear his voice. Wake up every day, God, in light of the fact that you have forgiven me, how can I take this day and give it back to you and glorify you with it? How can I, how can I, how can I take this day and, get, and make it less of me and more of you? Because said, God, that's what I want. I want. I want you to be supreme in my life and in the lives of the people around me, and I, I want to kind of disappear. How do I become less, and how can I make you more? That's a great prayer to play, pray in the morning. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross and follow me.
That's what he wants from every single one of us. Now I'm telling you, if you would incorporate these five things, you are going to have a more successful 2014 than you had 2013. Look, I want church to be more for you than just some place where you come because it's a superstition. I want it to be something more for you than a place that where you come and you're made to feel bad. God knows we've got enough of that, right? You don't need to be made to feel any worse. I talk to some of you, and, and it's just like, man, I can't get you to see God's crazy about you. He's crazy about you. God's not out to get you. God doesn't hate you. Your picture is in his wallet. He's nuts. He, you know what? I think God somewhere sends pictures like you guys send at Christmas time of all your family. I think God's got them, you know, all those pictures. He's crazy about you. And all he wants is to help you get through 2014 better than you got through 2013. Here's my job as your pastor. My job is not to judge you. My job is not to yell at you. My job is not to make you feel like an, a failure as you leave church every Sunday. I don't want you feeling like that. My job is to show you how to get through life with the least amount of headwind. We're all going to have headwind. We're all going to mess it up. We're all going to drive into a ditch at one time or another. My job as a pastor and our job as a church is to help you get out of the ditch, get on the road, and go straight. Go that way. Go that way. I don't want to yell at you. That, that does nobody any good. God doesn't want to yell at you. God sent Jesus to the cross to die for you to make your life better. You get on board with that, everything changes. So let me pray over you as we make our five lists, our, our list of five, and uh, let's, let's seek God's help in that, okay? Let's pray together. God, the people in this room love you. They, they wouldn't have come in the cold and the snow if they didn't love you. This is more than just an exercise in superstition or routine. We love you. We sing to you because we love you. We pray because we love you. We, 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 we want to be encouraged from the word of God because we, we want to hear what you have to say to us. And so, Father, as we talk about these five things that are going to be in our life daily, that are just going to improve us and make us better, I pray that you would have input. I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would help people to take this seriously so that they can improve their life because, God, that's what you want. So, Father, for the one that feels like they don't pray very well, I pray that you'd make them know that you're listening. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just needs to be real. And, Father, when they sit down and they crack their Bible open, I pray that you would speak to their life. Lord, when we worship, I pray that they would leave here and they would feel uplifted, happy. I pray that all through their week they would be worshiping you. Father, would you surround us with good people? people that can help us and encourage us, lift us up, not condemn us, not judge us, not put us down. And finally, Father, the hardest one of all is to just make you Lord, put you first. That's hard. We want to be the Lord. We want to be first. But it's your place. We recognize that. So, Father, we just in this moment, as real as we can be, we tell you that we love you. And we want to be as crazy about you as you are about us crazy about us because you gave Jesus for us. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray.